Hello and welcome to FETV's Zoom Room. We've got two new Zoomies tonight. We've got Dave Hall and we've got Dominic Foley. Welcome to Zoom Room, lads. How are you getting on? Good evening. How are you? Good. Thank you. So just a quick, a quick uh, background. Uh, and again, for people who, who don't know, um, you're watching the show, Dave and Dominic. So I'll start off with yourself, Dave, and just a quick background of your, your own football experience and where you've come from, where you've gone, and just a little bit. Jeez. Uh, There's a lot there, I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, like I said, at, at the moment, I um, background is um former player like yourself and Dom. Um, I now look after the Irish Masters and Legends, Liverpool Legends, and I'm a FIFA match team. I do a bit of, uh, I used to work with Dennis being there at Cargilline and at the moment I'm uh, Secretary of the West Cork Schoolboys League and I coach the emerging talent in West Cork. So I've got my A licence as well. And you're a, doc- and you're a doctor as well on top of it all. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm moonlight as a doctor here. And Dominic, just a quick uh, brief over a long period uh, career introduction. Um, I suppose I started off, I'm a Corkman myself, uh, in the local league here in Charleville. Uh, obviously, we played in the Limerick League as it was a bit closer. Um, kind of got involved with the Limerick County School Boys teams, got scouted like everyone else. And off I went to my journeys then to Wolves, Watford, Braga, Ghent, Circle Bruges, and back to Limerick City after 18 years. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant uh, long career. Dave, like, just back to yourself there, just on the, the Irish legends, um, how how did that come about first? How did you get involved in it? And It was essentially the initial initial contact. I don't know if uh, most of your viewers will probably remember about 10 years ago uh, during the downturn. Um, I'd moved from Cork City down to West Cork, where I live now. And I looked at the setup down here and facilities and they weren't too great so I arranged for Liverpool, the actual Liverpool team to come over and play the Manway Town. I think everybody remembers it. Uh, we converted the local primary school, our secondary school, built a 10,000 seater stadium uh, and then played against Liverpool on the day. Lost 1-0 actually which was a great result. Um, from that time I was heavily involved with the FAI all the, a lot of initiatives I would get pulled in, and then one day I get pulled in the an initiative, which was the, the Masters, uh, which was for footballers over 40 that retired or stepped away, and uh, it just took off from there. So, essentially, yeah, it's like uh, look, I've played a few games as well, and um, it's a brilliant setup. And Dominic, you've Played a few games yourself, even uh, down in Charleville. There was remember it was a big game and a big occasion. And how how have you find 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 this? You know, stop playing football. I suppose is what kind of people want to know. You like you know a, a good career, and then you kind of come out of football. And three of us, to be fair, out of it now. And I don't know. I, I don't know about yourself, but I found it kind of difficult anyway. But and then just time to settle down and. Get things going again. Yeah, um, like it was my life for nearly eighteen years. So obviously there was going to be a change, but um, I would hope a lot of people going into the football game are realistic and realise that it can end any minute. 
never mind any week or any year. Um, I was lucky. Um, I didn't have many injuries or the injuries I did have a run of the mill, normal things. Um, looked after myself well, traveled around a bit, I think, which helped as well. Um, was never afraid to try that. Um, so yeah, when you stop, it's, it's like I, I, I said to my friends or whatever, if they're a carpenter or they're a milkman or they're working in the bank, I said, it's like all of a sudden one day you arrive into work and you're told, right, you're finished. And you go, right, I haven't trained for anything else. I've never done anything else. So it's, it's an adjustment, but as long as you, you're ready for it, um, I suppose my wife would probably say it took about six to 12 months before I um, stopped sulking. But um, look, you get back into it, back into your new life, try to get yourself new work, unless you're one of the lucky few that managed to make enough while you're playing that you don't have to worry about it. But I would say 99.9% .9 of people do have to worry about it. Um, so that was it. It was feedback on the ground, off we go again. Did you find it difficult, Dave, stopping playing? Well, you're still kind of small, but playing and probably same as myself and Dominic whenever we can get a game here and there. But It's, it's, it's a strange one. It, it, it was interesting when I was working with Dennis at Carrigaline. Um, when, when, when you're... When you're, when you're dealing with what you would call, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but ordinary players. Uh, sometimes you can't understand what the decisions that are being made. And there's a lot of frustration, uh, especially for Dennis. You know, I, I'd experienced it a, lot, a few years before Dennis, but like I said, Dennis and Greg, and the ball would drop in the middle and you would expect a certain thing to be done. And then you see someone, instead of turning right, turning left or turning back, and you're scratching your head wondering, well, <laughs> Why do you do that? What, what possessed them to do that or think that way? And it's the, the legends and the, and the masters and so on. It's about playing with like-minded fellows, fellows that you know that is the best in the best in the country, the best, some of the best that there's ever been in the country. And whilst the body's writing checks that you can't cash, the brains are still ticking over, absolutely perfect. And you can see that. You know, the game is a much slower game, but the brain's still ticking over. So it's it's nice to play football with fellas with a brain and you're on a par with a brain as such. Yeah, like when the the first game I played uh, with them, I you know it, some of the lads obviously are really slow to move, like but just the the brain you can see it straight away, like the 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 intelligent passes or you know the way they turn with the ball or you know some like you play against a lot of guys who are probably trying to go in and nail you. And they just come out of it, you know. It's just too, the 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 mind is quicker than 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 the body in that sense. How do you find it, uh, Dominic, when you're playing the games? Yeah, um, I was never blessed with the utmost speed anyway. So <laughs> I used to. No, I wouldn't say I was slow, but um, I wasn't one of these guys who relied relied on my speed. Um, for me, it was reading the game, and you know the old saying: the first yard is in the head. And in my position, if you could just sneak a half a yard or a yard, you were in control and you got your chance at the goal. Um, so, yeah, like Dave said there, when you play with the guys in the, in the Legends game, it's, it's great to watch. Even, even though I, I played it so long, I suppose after stepping away from it now for it's nearly seven years, eight years since I finished, it's, it's great to play these games again and 
often give a wry smile to myself when I see things happening that, you know, that I can appreciate that maybe a lot of other people watching mightn't have even seen what happened. Like you say, knowing when there's someone coming on your left and turning to the right or knowing when to touch it forward or back. It's, um, I, I actually love playing in those games. Um, when I finished, I made the decision kind of to step back completely. I'd had enough <laughs> or done my bit. And um, after a few years, did my coaching badges, got my A license as well, but then just didn't have the drive to do anything about it. So I've stepped back. So for me, playing in these um, Legends games or um, playing with a few Legends and I join in, um, it's, it's great to get back in the field and just run around and have the crack again with the boys. And uh, I think the best thing about it, like you, you mentioned, you came down to Charlottesville to play in one when we opened or, or renamed our football pitch after a former chairman. And all my friends got to play against Mark Kinsella, Ronnie Whelan, Ray Houghton, and more League of Ireland players like that, which they will never, ever again get the chance to do. They still talk about it. So yeah. occasions like that are brilliant for the local guys who play junior football who never got the chance to play at a higher level. So they're brilliant for days like that. No, it's, it's excellent. And again, Dave, you're like heavily involved in bringing these guys down as well. You know, Ronnie Whelan, Ray Houghton, you know, Mark Kinsel, as he spoke about, like huge, huge names. But they're, they're just like, you know, they're happy. They're the same as us as well to get out and, and kick a ball around and have the crack, like, and to be fair, they're like, <laughs> they're, they're delighted on, on the day as well, like, aren't they? It's, you know, it, it takes all sorts. I mean, the, the one thing we have is we have a wonderful group uh, in, in, the, in the Legends, you know, a great, great group of lads, you know, and it stretches all over the country, from Derry, the Waterford, the Cork, the, everywhere. And, it, it, like like Thomas said, it's just it's just great crack. But it's you know there's there's fellas that, that are playing in the legends that were the greatest of rivals, you know, for years in the League of Ireland, and yet now they can, you know, the the temperature sort of has come down a bit, and they can talk about you know old things and you know games, and you know if you look at the likes of Cheryl and Macker playing in the Champions League, Maggot playing, and these guys. It's these guys playing some of the biggest and most iconic League of Ireland games, you know, playing Crow. You know, Crowy, mother of God, you know, I would you know, I only ever marked him once and I had an absolute nightmare. But I'm even nowadays in training the way he moves, the way he, and he's a great mentor for people. So, you know, it, it's it's great that everybody has access to legends, Ronnie, Ray, Sheeds, Cass, Kinsella, they, they all just love giving something back and and as Dom has said, one of the big things for the legends is there is a health message that we bring for everybody concerned, not just um, not just the players. You know, uh, you know, if you look at the, when we visit Charleville, Dom will testify. Uh, everybody in Charleville were out two nights a week for the best part of two three months leading up to it, and they're playing five a side. They're getting fitter. And Shannon last year and all the places we go to, everybody starts getting out and getting fitter. And so there's a whole health mental health, physical health aspect to it, and it's just a big package that everybody just loves when it comes to time. Oh yeah, huge, huge day for the whole town, and, and I suppose a, 
been at a Kerry one as well, Castle Castletown was it? Yeah, Castle, like, Castle Island. Yeah. Castle Island. Yeah, you know, it's 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 brilliant for them. Brilliant for them. They they love that. And as Dominic saying, they, getting that experience in. They were disappointed in one thing. I know no, what you're going to say here. Yeah, go on. No, 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 no. Not the fact that you took out their, their manager, but <laughs> the fact that uh, a, a particular Dennis Behan is from the next town over. And they were all lining up to, to, to smash Dennis to every single one of them. Is it Rath? Ra, what was it? What, what Abbey Field. Abbey Field, yeah, 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 yeah. So once they knew Dennis was playing and, and so on, and they were all lining up, they couldn't win. And Emma Dennis unfortunately couldn't play. They were they were devastated. But then he stepped into the fold and and, and creamed their, their chairman. <laughs> <laughs> he he ran into me that day. That was <laughs> true. Do you know what I mean? To be fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just on the coaching, like what, like I I I went away and did a couple of badges as well, and I, I am coaching a team now and again. Like Dave, you've been involved and stuff, and how. Like how how do you find it uh, coming from playing to coaching? I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and it's it's pretty much kind of the same same gist. Like, but everyone has a different experience, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, when I say I stepped away, I still look after. Um, I got involved with Neil Fenn, actually, the current Cork City manager, with his Pat to Pro um, soccer school. So I did some coaching in that in the local area here, and I'm still involved with Charleville their junior team. So I do a bit. It's it's like every coaching or every manager's job, whether you're a manager in a factory or a manager on a soccer field, you get frustrated. People don't do things that you want them to do. For me, it's about being try not to lose the rag with them. When you are able to do it and they're not able to do it, you need to coax them is the way I put it um, encourage them and what I always wait for is the light bulb moment as I always call it when you'll be saying the same thing to a fella for two years and two and a half years and then all of a sudden he goes oh no I know what you're on about that, that, whereas if you lose the rag after the first month or two months you'll never get the chance to see that light bulb coming on so there are a lot of look we were lucky when we were younger. We went off to England, whatever. We got good coaching. We had good managers. A lot of guys, we have to understand, in the Irish leagues, or my level where I'm coaching now, at junior level in local towns, they never had a coaching. They were just given a football, and there you go, lads, one ball between 12 of you or 15 of you have a game. That was their training. So it's like starting training adults now giving them the training they should have got when they were eight or ten so um yeah the light bulb moment is what i enjoy when it happens you know you've reached someone and you're doing your job i like that i like that light bulb moment. <laughs> I, I haven't had too many light bulb moments i've gone back to kids coaching kids and yeah uh, for for me it's a strange one, and I don't know how you feel, Dom. But for when it's when I played, I used to love giving it all, just a hundred percent. And at Carrigaline, there was a lot of great fellas there, smashing lads. But it it sort of there was with senior football now. As a coach, it can be a lot of frustration, a lot of burnout. Anybody that does it for more than four or five years, especially yourself, does you know? It it, it can take its toll on you. And you can sort of, you know, you can get frustrated, like you said, you can get angry, you have 
you've poor refereeing, you've you've poor nights. You know, the whole package sometimes can really football can start to get to you. You know, we used to play on a Friday evening, and uh, if I lost the Carrigan line on a Friday evening, I'd just come home, lock myself in the room, and tell her not to bother me for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. I look on Facebook and there's lads out out having a laugh in town. I I I couldn't I couldn't figure it out in my head. So see, after a while, you fall out of love with football a bit when you're looking after a men's team because you have everybody's an expert, everybody knows everything, and no and everybody's crying over training, this that and whatever script whatever it is. So sometimes you need to go back to the kids. You need to go back to your roots and. And look at ha- and have kids who will, will listen to what you have to say, will, will buy into what you have to say, and, and it helps you fall back in love. It energizes you again. I find men's football can be very. I don't think I have the temperament for it personally. I think I know what you're saying. I I think, I think it's gone. It's 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 gone a bit hectic in the world. Like it's a fast-paced world. There's different jobs now as well. Where, you know, there's a lot of shift work. There's a lot of guys under pressure. You know, people want you know big houses, nice cars. Um, you know, there's there's so much going on as well, other than football around the place. That you know, you're 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 trying to get guys to commit to two days a week and a game, and it it's it's kind of becoming a bit unviable. And I find it with all teams or senior teams are the same. It's it's hard to get. Like you might have a squad of twenty. Like there's no way you're getting twenty to training Tuesday and Thursday. And then the the game at the weekend, you could even like you could even chop and change in your eleven at times. And I find it's not it's not just the team I'm coaching; it's 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 every other team and every other manager is having these these problems. Whereas before it was kind of, you know, a lot of fellas had nine to fives and Tuesday Thursday big sessions, and then the game at the weekend was everything. Whereas no, it's kind of you know on the back burner. And I I totally understand what you're saying as well about frustration, like lose a game there like and you're you're going home you don't want to talk to people and stuff and I think I don't know like I think I think if you were at maybe a professional club it might it might be that bit easier because at least you're getting the lads training you you know you you can talk about the next yeah yeah in the next day you can dissect it and so on yeah the problem is in certain cases I look at Tim at Carrigaline now and Dennis they were they were doing it right but in a lot of instances, when you do things right, you're being chastised for it, you know? It's about get. if you want to do it right, you have to have the buy-in. You have to have, if you want to do strength and conditioning, that's an extra day, so that's three days a week. Mm. And then your, your game at the weekend. And most people, from, from what I can see, most, not all, but most, don't want to give that commitment anymore. They yeah. just, they can't or won't. And then these are the same fellas that are crying to you on a, uh, when you name the team and they're sitting on the bench or you name the team. You know, it's... It's sort of, I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to get my head around at times. So therefore, that's why I make a great number two and never a great number one. So I think <laughs> it's a it's a culture thing as well. And that I'm yeah. I'm only looking at my local club here now. Um, if you we have a senior hurling team now in our town for the first time in fifty years or something. If you ask them to get up at six o'clock in the morning and go training, they'll be there at six o'clock. If you ask yeah. my fellas, they'll go, oh, Jesus, why can't we do it at eight or nine? Or, But I go back eight or nine years ago and you ask the boys in the GA team to get up at six o'clock, they would have said the same thing. But they got some proper coaching in, proper coaches in. They made a culture of it so that the next group of boys coming through can see what they've done, they fall into position. Whereas 
our local soccer team and a lot of local soccer teams just kind of plod from year to year. So I've gone in this year with a plan in my local house, my first full year with them. You're on about numbers of training. I brought the A team and the B team together for training on Tuesdays and Fridays and some of the better of the youths as well. Um, the idea there is that they're training more physical with men grown adults. I don't expect them to do much, but to be quicker on the ball. I say if you get kicked, it's because you were too slow, your touch was bad, etc., yeah. etc. Try and improve them. They should never get touched or kicked. Um, so we always have great numbers, which is good for my morale and for the guys who do turn up. We might have 25, 26. Oh, it's a bit of a challenge to get the sessions going and divide them up and have good help in that. Um, but definitely numbers and starting a culture in the club and basically no bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. Like if you don't do what we're asking you to do, you don't play. If you don't train, you don't play. To a certain extent, no, we obviously being from a small town, you have to work hand in hand with the GA. Um, which I have no problem. They give us a commitment, they give the GA commitment, they can play, but if we don't get a commitment, they don't play. Simple as that. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with Dave. There's a lot to be putting up with, but I can see I can see improvement already, um, and I'm only with them since the start of the season. There's definitely more commitment, um, and it looks like they're enjoying it, which is the main thing. That's kind of what it's all about, really, the enjoyment. What about yeah. managers and even players yourselves that you would have learned off over the years? Like, and what, I suppose, what would have made them great or what would you have taken off them? For me, there's no one that really sticks out. I mean, it's some of the fellas you've played against, but it was always the concept of a, a senior pro in a dressing room. The, I, I, the thing, I, I don't, one of the things that gets me now is, you know, the things that certain dressing rooms, where would you put it? There was always those three or four fellows in the dressing room that, that your gaffer didn't, your manager didn't have to give you instruction, didn't have to deal with stuff. There was always those three or four fellows that would just deal with it. If you were at a hand, done something on the pitch, done something off the pitch, done something silly, said something to a referee, it was never dealt with by the manager. It was always given pulled aside by somebody else and told what for and what not. So... Our list of players. I mean, I remember when, when we were, you know, when we when we played against the Czech Republic. Down, you played in that game. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you know, some of the, there was a fella. Is it Olic? He never took more than one touch each time. He, he never, he never took more than one. I've never, and he burned through. But Greg O'Halloran, Stewie Byrne, everybody, no one could get close to him. And that was probably one fella that really impressed me in the last few years in terms of having stepped away from football. But I was up in Malahide and he was, again, his movement. And again, when we played them in Prague, we played them in the smallest pitch I've seen, but they made it look like to be the biggest pitch in the world. And then someone had the bright idea of playing them in Malahide afterwards, the return league. They made a big pitch look like a GAA pitch. And, but then your man Ulich, yeah, he's the one guy that stood out for me. Um, definitely stands out and again every single thing just one touch one touch simple lay it off lay it off lay it off and <laughs> none of us could get, get him. and it, yeah that's the one guy and then Jan Kohler as well oh, remember Jan for such, big, for such a big <laughs> for such a big man does 
he, I, you know, Percy and Macker were having to deal with the back, and you would have thought that he was physical and 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 all and, and a big, no, everything was deft and light, and he could turn the physical stuff on when he wanted to, but his touch, that one down where he just dropped it off his thigh, he just, it would just kill it instant. It's, it's such a lovely soft touch, so you were, nobody could get close to him, but then his goal in Malahide, after he could trip, Percy tripped him, so he got up really pissed off and then when your man is it not your uh the guy from atletico with felusi he tore down the line crossed the ball in and yeah and kohler headed the ball from outside the 18 yard but it nearly broke um your man from westlife's hand when it went in you know nicky nicky from westlife <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's yeah i i think i've i've i've, I've had the the privilege of benefiting from seeing better players later on in the legend side of thing than I had previously, definitely. Yeah, I've, um, I've been lucky. I, I started out um, under Graham Taylor. He was, he was signed me at, uh, at Wolves when I went over first to the UK. Um, I suppose I got to see the full wheel turning back in the day when Graham was kind of very strict, very regimental would go on the training ground and spend hours with us even moving five yards talking about the left back what he wanted him to do the center back the right back all the way through the field um he was old school i would have said looking back now but very fair i always got on great with him um I suppose I was good to follow instruction. I suppose you knew there was no rebelling against him. Um, just do what he asked and got on with it. Um, he took me to Watford then as well. After he left Wolves, I moved on to Watford with him. So I had him there again. And it went then complete different direction when uh, Jean-Luc Vialli came in with Ray Wilkins after Graham Taylor. And... It was just a total different direction. They were all about playing out from the back, football, um, getting the right food into people. They had the first time we ever had a fitness coach at a club, um, things like that. Um, then where, where did I go from then on to, on to Belgium? I suppose would be my next one. Where George Leakins, who would have been ex-Belgian international team coach and played for Bruges himself and managed Bruges. He was just happy-go-lucky, um, made me captain of the club at the time, put his faith in me to look after the dressing room. Um, he was like to play football again. Um, if we won on a Saturday night, he was up in the bars with us, singing and dancing. <laughs> if we lost, he'd say, lads, don't go out and get, go somewhere else. So he understood the players. He was a, a player's coach. Um, was very fair to everyone. Um, after that, I had a Norwegian Tron Solied, who had been to places like Olympiacos and managed a club Bruges as well. And he was—he's um, one of the guys I use. One of his famous sayings: "We were down in Spain on a winter training camp, and of course the boys were giving me the elbow. Can you ask Tron if we can go out tonight for a drink? So, as the club captain, I went up in Tron. Um, would you mind if we went out for a drink? And I got, uh, I was wondering when you were going to ask that. 
So I said, well, can we go out? He said, I've only one rule in my life. He said, big, big man at night, big man in the morning. So I went, I understand. So we were all had to meet at, I don't know, half eight or quarter to nine in the morning. I made sure everyone was in the breakfast room 15 minutes before we were supposed to be there. Some fellas just arriving back into the hotel, but anyway, we were there. So Trond walked into the room and kind of surprised and looked around and he just looked at me and he said, I suppose you want to go out again tonight, same rules. So that's one of my ones I picked up from him, big man at night, big man in the morning. And that's the way I live my life after that. If you're going to go out at night, make sure you're there on time in the morning and you're ready to go and you put in the effort. Um, so simple things like that, um, as Dave said there, I remember specific things from every manager that I played under that I try and put them all together in my head in the things that I uh, liked and things I didn't like, I wouldn't pass on to the players I'm coaching. But I always say to my guys as well, I said, lads, you have two ears for one reason. It can go in one ear and out the other ear, or sometimes it'll go in one ear and stay inside. So everything that everyone says to you isn't going to make sense, but the times that they do make sense, then you hold on to it and try and use it for the future. Yeah, I know. Like you, you played, I suppose, in, in a lot, lot of uh, clubs that, you know, a typical Irish player over in the UK wouldn't have gone to. Where was the connection there? Or did, like, did you, was there a player at the club or a coach at a club or something in Wolves? Or um, At the time when I left Watford, um, it was a guy, Mickey Walsh, who was acting as my agent. He's an ex-Irish international, but he'd played at Porto um, for a few years in Everton after that. But So he said to me, would you fancy going to Portugal? And I said, oh, sure, why not? Like I was thinking sun and beach and everything. But uh, I ended up going to a club, Sporting Braga, which would be in the north of Portugal. There'd even be more north than Porto. Um, it was the year before they had the European Championships there, so they had all the new stadia after being built. So Sporting, Benfica, Porto, they had all the new stadium. And in Braga, people might know it because of they had a new stadium, but behind one of the goals is just a mountain, the side of a mountain. So it was famous for that. Um, I went there for a year. Again, it was a good experience. Got to play against to like support on Benfica and Sporting in their stadium, the new stadium. Um, that was the year Mourinho went on to win the Champions League for the first time with Porto. We played them obviously twice in the league and got, got to a cup semi-final against them, but we got hammered about five nil, I think, if I remember. Um, so I went from there and then, look, it just wasn't working out for me. I, it didn't work to plan. Um, Myself and my wife were just about to get married, so we came home, um, signed for Bose. I was there, I think, maybe six or nine months. We played against Ghent from Belgium in the equivalent of the UEFA Cup. Uh, their manager liked me. He was looking, it was George Leakins, actually. He liked the target centre forward, someone to hold up the ball and work with a quick, smaller fella. So that's how I ended up going to Belgium after that and spent nearly eight years out there then. It's weird in the like football, like how how things happen, or someone sees you or fancies you that kind of way. Like in this, and there is there is that kind of a bit of luck factor being in the right place at the right time. I remember 
Dave, you were saying to me as well that uh, you spent a little bit of time with the American uh, ladies team, which was interesting. Some some very good stories as well about what, how they run their camp. Yeah, I was lucky enough uh, to be invited out by Philip Bean. Philip was the used to be the operations manager at the FAI. He has his own company, Menlo Sports, and he's a FIFA agent like myself. He's a very experienced FIFA agent. And he, he, his menu of sports were responsible for the pre-World Cup training camp in Quinta de Lago in Portugal. He invited me out to help out and, and so on. And uh, yeah, it was mind-blowing stuff. It's, I've, I've, been, I've been fortunate enough to work with Liverpool, United, Spurs, all the main senior teams. And I have to admit that this very day, I've never been more impressed than what I've seen with the US ladies. I came home after spending four or five days with them and I said to a few friends, listen, mortgage your house and put them on the US ladies to win the World Cup because their approach, the training, their discipline, their attention to detail, everything they had about the camp, I've never witnessed it. The apps, uh, there's an app they used, XPS. There's a lot of things I learned on, in those four or five days that I'd never seen before, but the intensity and the attention to detail and the winners and the focus you know these girls would two sessions a day for seven days you know they, they would they would get up in the morning have their breakfast um get on the coach and you know yourselves any preseason camp where you get off the coach and be a bit of talk and a bit of messing around no nothing like this these girls and these are the megan rapinos alex morgans you know and and i will openly admit I didn't have the, until I seen this, I didn't have the best impression of women's football, to be brutally honest, you know, um, but because my mind changed incredibly. The way these girls would get off the coach, you know, a couple of smiles, you know, headphones in and so on, but boots on, warmed up. Then, the, then I, I noticed that they had, a, they had the four kit men, and these poor guys, would, I, I'd see them turn around the pitch, running around like crazy. And I, I, could, <laughs> I was wondering what they, they were doing. But what would happen was the night previous, under with an XPS app, they would line out all the sessions on the app. And then the, the kit guys would actually have the setup on their phones. And then what they would do is, once they, they had the warm-up and the session started, um, they had the, everybody along the side, the pastes and waters and so on around the outside the perimeter. And then the session would start just maybe 10 minutes before the end of the first sort of drill or session. What would happen would be um, the guys, kit men, their phones would beep and they would be sprinting around the pitch, setting up the next one. And then lo and behold, a couple of toots on the whistle, pastes and water, everybody would swarm in, they would rehydrate and then go straight into the next session. No downtime no anything just continuously and they were doing that uh continuously and in serious temperatures and they were going at it and yeah and again the and the, this was this was full-on intensity i've never seen you know sometimes you know yourself you start at half nine ten you do a morning session with peter off towards it no their coaches wouldn't allow them to drop the intensity whatsoever and then they'd have their lunch and then straight back again, and then straight into the afternoon session. And they do that twice a day. 
it was it was, yeah. it was something else. It was breathtaking. And they're unbelievably successful. And there you go. That's that's why. And just I suppose to the last kind of thing is like from the board of you, I suppose one 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 at a time. But like looking back on on your careers now and stuff, and obviously you're you're advising players, Dave, where you are, and kids, and Dominic, you're advising players, and and where you are. Like, what's what's the kind of main thing that made you the player that you were? But you look back, obviously now as well, and think like you know. I could have done this better or whatever. Like, what advice would you give? Um, Jesus, where just start with this one? Um, the first thing I would say is going back to my thing about we all have two ears. Listen to what you're being told. Um, these guys have positions of coaches and they've, a lot of the time in the professional game, they've played the game, they've been there. Um, I saw all too often fellas going, thinking they knew it all um, after probably being a pro for five minutes kind of a thing. It's, and it happened to me a lot, light bulb moments. I would remember five years later, I go, Jesus, I remember someone saying that before. It's amazing how things will come back into your head as you go through your career. I say, always listen, look like you're interested because for me now, as a coach, I always did that, but as a coach now, I'm talking to a few guys. I don't talk a lot when I'm coaching, but for the two or three minutes that I might do it, you see fellas looking up in the sky, looking down the ground, and I say, I'm wasting my time here straight away. Yeah. That'd be the first thing. The biggest thing that I learned only when I went to Belgium, first touch. Um, I was lucky, it was one of my strengths. Um, I had a lot of weaknesses, but that was one of my strengths. Um, it's so important and it just doesn't get coached enough in Ireland at local level. It doesn't take a lot, um, a few footballs and a few drills and it just makes such a difference. I can see the difference in my team in six months just by doing simple things. Um, be dedicated 100%. That's one thing I can always say. I always looked after myself when I had to, obviously you have to leave the hair down every now and again at the right time. Never got in trouble for doing it at the wrong time. Um, and believe in yourself. Believe in yourself because you will get knocked. You will have opinions that didn't, people don't like you. I went to Man City when I was younger. They liked me. I went on a trial to Wolves. They liked me. Went to Nottingham Forest. Said, no, you're not good enough. Make sure you finish your school. Went to Liverpool, asked me back, you know, so you get different opinions on your road along. Um, so believe in yourself, stay dedicated, practice, practice, practice. You did. I, one thing I learned was no matter what you think you know about football, when you go somewhere else, you always, it's a never, ever, never ending learning curve. And just when you think you've you've got it sussed, you meet someone else or you, you play under another coach who just opens another door and then you realise that you know squat. You, you, you didn't know half of it. And for me, it's the simple things, the little things. Remember, you know, listen, to the, as Dom said, just listen, listen, listen. Uh, and like you said, like you said as well, you know, there's so, so many fellas think, They've been on trial here, they've done that, they've made it, they've done this. Just 
yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. If I was to go back and advise me when I was younger, I, it would be to, to listen more and, and not take things to heart, not get frustrated. You know, not, not take, when some of the knocks you take, you just, uh, you take it personally and you, you know, and it's one thing I've learned as I've got older, you should never take football personally, ever. It's, it's you know, there will be personal opinions in it, but you have to learn to rise above things. You have to learn how to, you, you might not be somebody's cup of tea, but you'll be somebody else's cup of tea. And, yeah. um, and it's, for me, that would be the one thing definitely for me is just when you think you have a licked in football, if you actually sit down and look and think you're nowhere near getting that licked. So it's, uh, I've been lucky enough, like yourselves, to play with some great footballers and, and some great dressing rooms. And, and there's Ronnie Whelan now, you know, he's what, pushing on 60. And you ever watch the way he sort of carries himself on the pitch? You know, he's always looking, the chin is always bouncing, it's always back and forward. There's Ray as well, you know, back and forward, the head's turning. He's always looking to see what's happening, 360 degrees. And then when the ball comes, they just lay it off. And, make you look stupid so listen like Dom said don't take things too personally and yeah that's, that would be it really for me no that's like from two of you there great bits of advice and probably similar kind of what I say and it's it's brilliant that it goes out to people as well because you know people listening to this really kind of you know enjoy enjoy hearing that and as, as you know we were all we were all young as well and I probably you know we didn't get great advice but we did get advice but a lot of times you don't listen and you know you, you kind of should and that's 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 the main thing is that you know let's listen but lads, I used to that, think yeah. I used to think fellas you know sometimes you had coaches that were giving you a hard time and you thought they were giving you a hard time because they didn't like you but now when you meet them later on afterwards they say to you listen I thought you had what it took and I thought you were a decent player and that's why I, I, I give you that but I, being the idiot that was, didn't want to listen at the time. I only wish I had a listen. It's different times now, though, isn't it? Like, when we, I remember different a guy, yeah, I remember an ex-army guy come in with Mark McGee to Wolves, uh, Mike Hickman, and, like, he used to flog us to death, running, rowing, cycling every afternoon, and... Like, when you look back at it now, you think it was madness. Why didn't he have us out in the field having touches of the ball and passing and moving? And so it, the wheel goes around full circle, as I was saying earlier. Um, but look, even from that, what, what was a tough time, you would think, in those few months while he was with the young guys at Wolves, you say you took out of it that you were able to get through it when it was really tough. And it probably helped me down the road when you came up against tougher situations. You think, well, I was able to get through that. I'll get through this. So try and take the positive out of as much as you can. As Dave said there, opinions will be opinions. Everybody's entitled to it. You don't have to listen to it. So um, a lot, I've seen so many guys lose the plot, taking things personally and F this and F that and walking out the door and where they walk into nowhere. Um, so it's important to keep her cool, um, believe in yourself, and just get on with your job. Yeah, like like we all know, football is uh, mentally coaching or playing. You're 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 going to face no matter how good you are, who you are. There's constant mental battles. Like you're going to face them. I think probably it's harder now 
for guys to take than it was before. Um, definitely, because as you said, you know, there was a lot of coaches and I had this conversation with uh, Danny Murphy and Liam Kearney as well. Um, a lot of coaches we had would probably, yeah, they were shouting at us or, but it was to get the best out of us or, you know, flogging us. But again, it was to get the best out of us. No, we probably cursed them and, you know, everything going away. But when you look back now, you think, Jesus, they, they probably made me the person I am today. Whereas you probably can't do that now. It's more of a kind of, you know, you, you have to have have a good communication with players and, you know, there's tactics boards and there's all this kind of thing, expe- expectations then from coaches. And I, I, I just I just do worry a small bit about the mentality because, yeah, like, you know. But it's, you're, you're, it's, it's spread. It, they're, they're, it's going to sound like a weird concept, but people are, too, are spread too much. You see, when we when I played football, football was football. That was it. That was all. That was all. <laughs> that was that was all. My night and our day. You know, I lived off crunching a cornflakes and played football. That, that's if you wanted to sum it up. Uh, and now there's so much happening. There's fellows are just spread thin. There's so many things going on. And uh, Carrie Galane, you know, was was you know when Tim Moore came in, Tim brought a lot of young fellows in who were very focused. And the change didn't go down well with a lot of people. But one thing I definitely did notice for some of those young lads that came into Carrigan Lane, they were extremely focused. Some of them were clowns, don't get me wrong. And Tim has his work cut out for them, but a majority were the, the focus. And I, I uh, you know, I just don't see that focus much anymore. I, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. And I don't see it in Manchester Senior League much. There are some standout players. League of Ireland, you know, you can tell that. You can see Jack Byrne. You can see all these lads. They're razor shot in their heads. You know what I mean? Like you said, you said when you play, look at Fenners and so on and Crowley. Dom, if you didn't close Fenners down in front of you, by the time you decided to go on after his first touch, by the time you got close to the Fenners, your Crowley was already four yards behind you and putting the ball in the back of the net. You know what I mean? Razor sharp, focus. And it's, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be there anymore. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Oh. Make it be wrong. No, you are like I, I, and Dominic, you'd see it as well through coaching the underage players. There, there's some serious talent. Not, 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 not just in Ireland and Cork. There's some serious talent, and even players that we would have played with growing up. Like I definitely, certainly wasn't the best uh, young, young player or kind of player in Cork. There was better players than me, but. And uh, I'm sure everyone has the same story. But again, what you're saying, the focus, the mentality, there's so many battles on the route to being a professional footballer. But that is, that is a bigger part as yeah. your skill or your athletic ability. It is like, but people kind of shrug that off as, oh, he just didn't have the bottle for it or, you know. Um, it is as big a part as being able to play the game and being physically able as well. So it's a massive part of it. Um, again, throughout, throughout the years, I've come across so many gifted players in training that you wouldn't even go near them because you know they'd make a fool of you. But then you put them out on a pitch on a Saturday, 11 against 11 in front of 20 or 30,000 people. and yeah. So... And then the guy in the training, do you think, Jesus, this will him great. Put him on the field and in 11 against 11 in the stadium and he'll just run and kick and block and do a brilliant job for the team. So it takes all sorts. 
definitely to make up a team, but being mentally strong is definitely one of them. If, 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 you, look, if you look down at, a, when you scout or you look at a player, okay, if, if a player, when you grade a player, if you're scouting and you, you, you've got your, your assessment, you would look at a player who trains for an hour on a Tuesday, an hour on a Thursday, maybe plays with a school or ATP during the week and plays a match on a Saturday. That's max five hours. Okay. If you were to grade him in terms of assessment, you would look, he would be, if he's going to be that type of supposed elite player or, or possible elite player, he would be uh, well over nine out of 10, 9.2, 9.3 out of 10, you know, in every side of things. Then when you take him and you take him from his five hours a week and then you plop him in a, think of a club, a West Brom or a, or a Bolton or, or even a Preston. And then he's six days on, one day off. And that 9.2, for whatever reason, dilutes down because of the, it's been spread along a, along a bigger time frame. And he has to consistently deliver. That takes mental strength, focus. And unfortunately, some young lads now, some of them just don't, don't have, again, that focus. And they're not able to... And this is... They come back from England. Do they come back... Uh, Bad players? No, definitely not. But look at Shawnee McGuire going across. Shawnee's razor sharp, focused. He's doing what he's doing. You know what I mean? And he's had his that. If you remember, his hamstrings went. and had a long period of time there. Right? Uh, that took that took a long. I'd say that was his biggest hurt. After, if you remember, he went across from a full season league of Ireland straight into the English league, and it was inevitable that his hammers were going to go, or something would have went towards leading up to Christmas. But then he was out for what three months, twelve weeks, yeah, and then came back after. That shows the mental, and that was the mental strength that he picked up after being rejected by West Ham after coming out of Dundalk and so on. That's where he, that's 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 what stood him in good stead for. That's why he's he's a success he is now. And then you look at what's the answer to it. How can how can we make more players from Ireland? better levels, like go back to, I suppose, you know, the likes of Roy Keane and Dennis Irwin at Manchester United, probably one of the best teams in the world, you know, at the time, and two probably the best players that Cork have ever produced. So, like, you know, there's there's more out there. There's more coming in the future. Look at Alan Brown there now, Preston, fantastic player. Like, but there, there is, there, you can see even around Cork, there, there's, there's more there. Like, where, where does the mental strength come from? Do you have to learn it, do you think? Do you have to go through stuff first and then come out? Or, like, where's the, where's the solution? Sorry, lads, I, I lost you there for a minute. But oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I got a little disconnected. <laughs> uh, I just heard the last bit. If you, if you look at some of the things that have happened, it, this is a strange one. See, see when... If you remember, there was a court case last year, um, a year before with Carrie Galane and so on, and, and players. There's there's a lot of parents sort of mollycoddle the kids, the boys and girls. Now, you know this. I really do feel that, um, you know, it sounds it, it's a weird thing to say back in our day and so on, but there needs to be like I, I took a lot of kids to Barcelona last October. We had a great time, played against some great sides. I spent all the time just picking up tops and clothes and water bottles. They're, they're, some of them are like 
babies. <laughs> That's the only way to describe them. They just they just looked after by their mums and dads, left, right, and centre. They've no, and if you know, it's it's a strange one. And you know, you've got like I said, you got that court case where a, a young lad wasn't getting on the cargo lane and stuff, and his, his man and dad decided to take take the club to court. And you have parents, and again, it's from a coaching perspective. You know, you see now parents think sometimes they have an opinion on so many different aspects of the football, the progression of their child and so on. Yes, they have a fundamental part in it, but they, they, they do need to respect the position of football people and football coaches in terms of the development of their, of their, of their children. And, uh, you know, I've been to a few clubs when I'm speaking, I've looked through, you know, going over to Ajax and Barca and seeing how they handle things. And... Look at Duffer and Lee and the lads at Shamrock Rovers. They they put the breakfast club in. If you're an Olympic skater, you get up at four in the morning, five in the morning, do your two hours skating in the morning, then you go to school. I've been looking at breakfast clubs in Ajax in Barcelona when up to nearly two hundred and fifty kids are being picked up every morning, brought to training, then brought to school afterwards. They done it at Shamrock Rovers. Sure, everybody was up in arms, giving off about Rovers, didn't it? It's about culture, as Dom says earlier. And the culture, unfortunately, in Ireland is, is a, you know, it's a bit soft in terms of some lads. And they just, you know, I don't know what you think. No. Yeah. Well, that, that is a valid point. Look, modern young guys are just different. As you said, we were to be, we ran out of the, to be dragged back in. It just doesn't happen now. But life has moved on. Okay, things are different. Um, I heard Damien Delaney speaking recently on one of the news talk, I think it was. And he said, look, kids with Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all this, it's a part of our life now. So I'd be old school in that way. I think there's no need for that in a dressing room or around a club or et cetera. But he said, look, you just have to get on with it. You have to accept it. Um, so that's your point on that day. They're just different, the kids know. On another point, I would say, when I went to the UK back in 96 or whenever it was, I had to compete against England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and a token Scandinavian every now and again. If you're talented in Ireland now and you go to the UK, you're competing against the whole world. Mm. That is a big difference compared to, compared to back in our day. My opinion is that in our lifetime, we might never never see an Irish player playing for Liverpool, Man United, Tottenham, or any of the big clubs. We might never. We look at, okay, we have Tri-Parrot at the moment, who's probably the closest. But people get so excited about him. Then, like in one of the last internationals, he wasn't even on the under-21 team. He was a sub for Stephen Kenny. Now you turn on the radio, oh, he should be playing for Ireland, he should be this, he should be that. He's 18 years of age. He's played about a half an hour of first-team football. He isn't good enough to get on our under-21 team. So at the moment, I, obviously, there's big hopes for him. So that's another difficulty that I'm not sure we will ever see a Ronnie Whelan or a Ray Houghton or a Paul McGrath playing at a top-level team in England long-term. And for me, long-term will be three or four years. Yeah. Yeah, I know some interesting points. What do you think points. of that, Dave? <laughs> I don't know. It's, if you look at the, the, the development plan now, 
when you go to the Kennedy Cup, when, like I said, I play interleague, albeit West Cork, and I see all the different clubs, the counties and interleague up and down the country, there are some fabulous players around. The technical ability now in Ireland is improving month on month. It's, you can see players now that it's, you know, you can definitely see. It's, again, for me, it's whether they have the strength of mind to deal with the pressures of when they go across. And, you know, it's, it's, it used to be, I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew a scout in Dublin who used to, uh, he used to have a fantastic system where he used to send players to, Dag- to Dagenham first in the old east of London. I'll tell you, <laughs> you know your arse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, if you can survive that, you'll survive them. That's <laughs> right. And he would get some feedback on whether he's the player threw his toys out of the pram after going to Dagenham. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to have a session and someone's got to wrap you across the back of the legs and see if the stomach to get back up again. And uh, you can either play on or you can sulk. If you sulk, sure, you know, apparently when you have some young lad was talking about Blackburn this and uh, West Brom this, so they sent him to Dagenham. You got to wrap across the back of the legs. He didn't want to know. So what was the point to send them anywhere else? So that was it. So... Interesting, interesting way of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Anyone looking for <laughs> advice there? Next next guy who wants to go to Barcelona or anywhere like that, send him to Dagenham first. <laughs> send him to Dagenham first to see if he can stand up. Did me- I'm, sure me- I'm, I'm sure Messi stopped off at Dagenham on the way from Argentina to Barcelona. I'm sure this yeah. definitely, definitely, definitely <laughs> happened. <laughs> but look, it was great to have two lads on, you know, some great points there again and anyone that's listening you know really 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 listening to what was said and you know go back over it even if you have to especially parents of of kids listen to the coach is the voice here but uh, no thanks for coming on lads and that was um, that was excellent no problem thank you cheers thanks